and we're live. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So um, thanks for joining us for another episode of Leap of Faith. Today, uh, very interesting interesting guest for you. So strap yourself in, um, ranked number one Amazon accelerator. This gentleman uh, escaped the, the Iranian revolution of, of 1978 and, and, and fled back to Los Angeles, right? So, so hold on, I'm not finished yet. Um, he's since then gone on and, and created over a billion dollars in revenue um, by inventing this legendary smart drug that we'll dive into a little bit through the podcast. Um, now he, he's also the founder and, and CEO of Accelerated Intelligence, um, which is a, a major player in the uh, Amazon FBA seller space with millions of dollars in sales. Uh, he's also a head coach of Amazon Mastery, where he teaches entrepreneurs how to crush it uh, on the Amazon platform and uh, an all-rounder phenomenal guy. So thanks so much for joining me today, Shaheen. Um, it's, I'm, I'm excited for this. I'm, I know the audience is going to get a lot from this. Um, thanks for joining me, number one. And after you jump in, rewind me back to a place or one of the biggest leap of faith moments that's brought you to where you are now. I love that. Thanks for having me on, Sasha. Super honored to be on. You know, it's, it's, I love the title of your podcast because mm. I think my whole life has been a leap of faith. Mm. And I talk about this a lot. I talk about it to my students. I talk about it when I'm giving talks. And that risk is the amount of risk that you take is proportional to the amount of success that you will have. It doesn't mean yeah. that you, you have to take a, a stupid risk or an uncalculated risk. Risks can be educated and intelligent as well, but you do have to take risk. The guy working for minimum wage at a fast food restaurant has the lowest possible risk, but the highest possible certainty. And the guy mm -hmm. that owns the restaurant or the corporation that owns the restaurant has the highest potential for making profitability and the highest risk that comes along with that. Yep. So interestingly enough, I decided at a, at a very early age to take the risk, which was probably one of the greatest risks ever, which was leaving home as a teenager. And mm. you know, we, we came to the United States as teenagers when I was, I, I'm sorry, when I was like about four or five years old. And then by the time I was 14, 15, I was like, I'm out, you know, and that that's the risk right. that I really took. And I decided that I was going to go out there into the world and seek my fame and fortune. And I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any family. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any schooling. This was pre-internet, pre-Facebook, pre-cell phones, pre-all that stuff. Right. And so I left. And fortunately, my gamble paid off. I met a mentor, somebody who was willing to mentor me, somebody super mysterious. I write about it in my book, Billion. And I started joining the electronic music scene, the dance scene, what we called the wow. rave scene in those days. And it was the early 90s and the rave scene was booming, music everywhere, people going to these parties at all hours of the night. And I learned that if and I and mind you, I was sleeping on the beach in abandoned buildings in the backseat of you know an old car, surfing on couches oh. whenever I met people. I had literally nothing, I was surviving on eating ketchup and relish at hot dog stands, whatever I could get my hands on. Yeah, and so I decided to start taking part in this electronic dance music culture. And I started going to these raves. I managed to get to know some of the promoters and they would let me in. They knew I didn't have any money. I was just a kid. So I would get in or I would just sneak in through the back door or through, you know, one way or other, I would get in and the speakers would be there. The parties would start late and they would go till the morning, which is the perfect opportunity for me to hang out a little bit, kind of watch what's going on and then fall asleep in a back room or behind the speakers, which was glorious. And I'd wake up in the morning and then I could go have a day. Well, I started to realize that there was a lot of money being made at these events, right. but it wasn't what you think. So I thought, let me see if I can follow where the money is. I thought these promoters, they're getting tens of thousands of people coming to these underground parties, these raves, they must be doing really well. Nope. Yeah. Those guys always running from people because they never have enough money to even make the bills. Yeah. 
So then I thought to myself, well, you know what, Sasha? Maybe it's the DJs. Musicians make money, right? We see rock stars, music DJs. DJs make money. Nope. The DJs standing outside broke with their hands out, wondering why nobody ever pays them. DJs always got stiff, like they professionally didn't get paid. So then I thought, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not the real estate because the people that own the real estate uh, weren't getting paid. These were mostly warehouses that were broken into and, right. and borrowed without the owner's knowledge. So sure. then I thought to myself, who are these people who keep this going night after night? And I Ways looked, money, yeah. yeah, and I saw some guys and I was like, these guys are always happy. They slip a little bit of money to the DJs to keep going. They help the promoters. Who are these guys? And I was like, oh, it's the drug dealers. Interesting. <laughs> And at this point, I was getting real tired of being broke, Sasha. And I was thinking to myself, man, if only I could be like these guys, I could have a nice car, I could have a beautiful girl, I, I, I could have all the things that go along with being a drug dealer. And then it hit me that I would be really fucking bad at crime, like crime and me wouldn't get along. I would just worry about it all the time. So I thought, okay, well, yeah. crime being out of the equation, how do I make this happen? And I thought, wait a second. Ecstasy was the biggest drug in those days, Molly, MDMA, right. but it was very difficult to make. So the supply had dried up and the amount of people who knew how to make it correctly had basically been wiped out for a period of time. The demand was ever increasing in the clubs. There wasn't enough supply and the drug dealers were desperate. I was at the mm -hmm. right time at the right place. Right. So I decided, hey, what if I came up with a legal version that was completely natural, no side effects, couldn't get me in trouble, and I could produce it for cheap and sell it for expensive. So I went out and did it. And at that time, I managed to get myself a girlfriend. We literally, Sasha, were making it up in her kitchen and her bathtub. And, you know, it was these goo-filled balls. And I reached down, I grabbed my, my balls, and I said, all right, dude, let's go, right? That's a a euphemism for showing yeah, courage. <laughs> so I, I, I found my courage. I went out to the club, found the first drug dealer I saw. And I said, Hey, sir, will you sell this? And he took one look at me. He said, fuck off kid. And I said, okay, I got, I got you, but you're going to go to jail. He said, what, what do you know? Are you a cop? I said, no, not a cop, but here's the problem. You're selling junk. You don't have enough drugs. This is a club packed with people. You're going to run out of even the junk that you do have, and you probably end up going to jail. Sell my stuff. You won't go to jail. I guarantee you everybody will love it. And if you don't sell it, throw it away. If you sell it, give me a little bit of money. All right, let's try. So he reluctantly did it. And in about an hour, we were looking around the club, people pumping their fists in the air, everybody pointing at me. That guy comes to me wipes the sweat off his brow and he goes kid how soon can you get me more and that was it it was on it went from one guy to 10 guys to 100 guys to a thousand guys to tens of thousands of these dealers creating this illicit distribution circuit through drug dealers throughout the clubs selling my pills legally and then that expanded sasha it went with mil I was making millions of dollars and it went from there. We got it down to five beautiful pills. They had a butterfly. They had an E on the other end. They were gorgeously <laughs> packaged in these beautiful pyramids and they were everywhere and everybody knew us. And the drug dealers started going legal. We started selling in record stores, clothing stores. We were all over the world, even in Australia, Japan, wow. all over the world. We were selling the stuff. And so one day, not too long after that, I walk into my office in Venice Beach, California. It's the one you guys always see on TV. And mm -hmm. at this stage, I was employing close to about 200 people. We were in 30,000 stores. I had everybody, everybody was working for me. And I remember getting the news that we had broken a billion dollars in sales. Pre-internet pre-Facebook, pre-mobile phones, pre-social media, we had broken a billion dollars, with a B, billion, in sales. And there I am, looking like this, for you guys who are just listening to this in audio, I'm holding up the picture of myself, 
back in those days, you guys can check it out if you see the artwork for the book. It's me with long hair and this pink robe. And I got the news and I had an oh shit moment, like this total panic moment I had that was like, holy fuck, I don't know how much a billion dollars is. And I realized I, I didn't know what a billion dollars was. Is it a hundred million, a thousand million, 50 million? Who knows? And so I started to have this panic until they calmed me down. And then they wanted me to be on CNN and to be on Nightline and 60 Minutes and all the different channels wanted me on and all the talk shows wanted me on. And I realized, okay, they just want the long haired kid to come talk about this. I'll figure out how much a billion is later. And it was a mad ride after that. We had experiences where we had the mob try to shake us down. We had the Japanese Yakuza try to take over our business. I was flying on private jets, on yachts all over the place, uh, hanging out with celebrities, Academy Award-winning celebrities, hanging out with famous people, millionaires, billionaires, rock stars. And it was a wild ride. And all this was before I was 25. Before you were 25? Before I was 25, yeah. Damn, man, that's insane. And uh, I'm going to ask the question that the audience is thinking. So what what was in the magic pills? So it was a combination of herbs that duplicated the effects of ecstasy. It was a combination of an herb called ephedra, which is illegal in Australia, I believe. And another herb called Guarana that came from Brazil. That's a high caffeine herb, but it had some other benefits. And there was a way where we extracted all the stuff and put it together that gave it kind of the feeling that you might get from a very mild trip of ecstasy wow wow and and um all of that before you were 25 like what happened then most of it was when i was in my teens actually so it was it was well before i was you know 20 even and what happened then you know eventually you know the government started cracking down and they would cancel out one of mm. my formulas they would they would they would ban it and then we'd rush to make another formula and they would ban that and then we'd rush to another one and then they'd chase right. us around and sue us until finally I got tired of it and I exited we yeah. sold the sold the assets of that company and I went on to solving another problem which was that of smoking so I thought, okay, mm. for, for thousands of years, our ancestors have burned plants in order to just get a little bit of the elements. But yeah. you get smoke, you get tar, you get carbon monoxide. And those are all the things that cause cancer. I mean, surely in all these thousands of years, somebody's figured out a better way. Well, turns mm. out nobody had. So right. we went about creating digital vaporization and I patented mm. it, wrote the book on it and invented the portable digital vaporizer, the forerunner of what you see now and all these people smoking vapes. Right, right. And I took that company uh, to a place where I had an exit in 2006 and that company went public on the in the US markets and it's still oh. public to this day. I'm no longer involved in it. Sure. And from there, I, back in the day, so fast forward to like 2009, when you could get Jeff Bezos on an email or on a phone because he had started this Amazon company and he was still mainly selling books. News came out that he's going to open it up to third-party sellers, meaning me, Mm -hmm. you, anybody who wants to, to sell anything they want to on there. And Bezos being a super hyper-intelligent human being coming from Wall Street, coming from D.H. Hutton, Mm. hiring former Walmart execs to build out the most beautiful fulfillment operation known to man Mm. for pickpacking and shipping, making it easy on sellers, decided to open it up to third-party sellers. So I said, hey, um, I had invented a brain pills thing called Accelerol that you can get here in the States, which is awesome for mental functioning and improving brain function and peak performance and getting into a flow state. And I thought, hey, man, this would be a great way to try to sell this stuff. So I was like, all right, let me, you know, I, I actually emailed Bezos, you know, we got a response back. I was like, all right, let me sell this on that platform. So I put it up on the platform, went to sleep. It was $100, $100, $120 a package. Woke up the next day to thousands of orders, like no joke, <laughs> thousands of orders just from putting it up there because it was like the wow. Wild West in the early days of Amazon. Right, of course. And I thought to myself, fuck, man, like this is it. This is the next big thing. And Bezos is no dummy. He's playing coy and being like, oh, I'm this nerdy, you know, yeah, right. yeah. internet guy, but he is sharp. He is sharp as a tack and ready to pounce. This is yeah. the train I'm going to get on. 
and and we did. I decided to learn everything I could about Amazon. And wow. now I'm at a place where, look, I don't need to work. My lifestyle is pretty good. I've made many times over in my lifetime the money that I need to survive and live a good life and you know, kind of enjoy the lifestyle that I have with me and my family. I've got a little boy that I love and we travel That's all over the world. But what I enjoy doing now is inspiring other people to have the success that I've had mainly on the Amazon platform. And we run this mm. Amazon mastery course, which by the way, if any of your listeners or viewers are interested, I've got a one hour course that tells you everything from A to Z, how to get involved in Amazon, how to pick a product, how to beat the algorithm, how to get reviews, all that stuff. It's 200 bucks. I'm going to include it for free to anybody who wants to reach out from your listenership. We're going to Amazing. include that absolutely for free, but we have a course, we have a mastermind and I teach yeah. people every day how to build this foundational style of thinking, how you build right. cash flow positive real estate, uh, yeah. investments with compounded interest in the in the markets, how you build an e-commerce business, an e-commerce platform that's going to in an e-commerce platform that's going to create predictable recurring revenue for mm. you month mm. after month without you having to sell your hours. It's the greatest yeah. injustice to entrepreneurs like yourself and me that we would ever have to sell our hours for money. Mm, mm. I'm curious, like the, the, the thing that you do so well, man, is you make it so effortless, um, seem so effortless for you to uh, diagnose a problem and then formulate a solution to that problem and then commercialize it. I know that like a lot of younger entrepreneurs and people particularly like starting out, they're like, what do I do? Like, what, how do I, you know what I mean? Like, how would you like, like, like if you were to say, and you were to like distill down your thinking or your thought process around the nightclub scene, for example, number one, like looking at that number two, the whole, like, you know, smoke and vape scene, how you jumped into that next, like talk me through like the, the, the overlap or the, the, the criteria, if you will, like, how do you go about like analyzing and detailing something to, to realize it, actually has some potential and then take it into something that with, you know, huge commercial gain. Better than that, I'll give you a blueprint of how it's done and how you should do it. So a good friend of mine, uh, Australian actually named Wayne Boss, who's a friend and a mentor. And Wayne is just one of these super geniuses that gets into deals. He goes in and rescues troubled companies and turns them from $10 million companies into half a billion dollar companies and flips them. And he does this like, it's nothing. Like he was born right. to do this. Right. Wayne taught me about his three prong system, which is what I've been using all along. Knowledge, courage, action. Those mm. three things. So the mm. first thing that you need to think about is distribution first. So this is the thing I teach in my course. And we'll, we'll talk about knowledge, courage, action that we also talk about in my book, Billion. And anybody who's interested, you can get the first chapter of the book for free now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Brilliant. Apple Podcasts, wherever. It's called Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. And the first chapter is on there for free. So please feel free to download it. The first thing is, the first mistake that people make is they think that if I build a better mousetrap, the world will beat its way to my mm, door. Mm, that, of course, we know is incorrect. And we know that yeah. companies like Amazon have made that a near impossibility. It doesn't yeah. matter if you have a better mousetrap. What matters is that you tell a better story. So knowing that, what we do is we don't create products and run around furiously, people in my course, at least in Amazon Mastery, run around furiously trying to figure out where we're going to sell it. What we do sure. is we look at markets and we look at Amazon and we spy sales and we say, hey, what sales are these other companies doing? Okay, we've got an indication and we use tools and we teach how to use those tools. And it's in the, the one hour course that I'll give you guys for free. So make sure to reach out to me to get that. But um, we share tools on how you spy sales. So you spy sales, you find a market, a niche, riches are in the mm. niches. So you find a niche where there's a lot of profit, but the competition is weak. And you come in and you dominate that niche, not by having some blockbuster product that's going to revolutionize an industry. Sure. Leave that for the Steve Jobs of the world. 
sure, what, sure, sure. What the Steve Jobs and Elon Musk's of the world, they can take that risk. For us, what we're going to do is we're going to come in, we're going to find a niche, and we're going to dominate it by exploiting the weaknesses of the competition. And we do that by finding what the market needs and just feeding it that. It's such an easier path, Sasha, than, mm. you know, I, I, I'm a person who's innovated products for the better part of the last 30 years. I've innovated, created products, invented, patented stuff. And it is mm-hmm. a long, difficult, challenging road to profitability. Sure. If you want to get to profitability in a straight line rather than going around and zigzag Mm. and whatever, you want to find what the market needs and then feed it that and then bring and add value. That is the thing. And you always think distribution first. So back to our three pillars, our Wayne Boss pillars that he teaches. Knowledge. It's the first thing you need. How do you get knowledge? You can buy knowledge, rent knowledge borrow knowledge, steal knowledge. (laughs) Once you have knowledge, what does that give you? It gives you courage because you know that with that knowledge, you can do anything. If I told you, hey, Sasha, let's go jump out of a plane tomorrow. You'd be like, or right now, even you'd be like, Shaheen, you're out of your fucking mind. What, I mean, what do you mean? Jump out of a plane. I, you know, I, I don't know anything about that. You wouldn't have the courage. But if me and you spent the the next month learning about it, learning about the parachute and the backup chute and how you do it and watching the videos and taking the courses and and practice how to land and all this. And I said, hey, Sasha, let's me and you go tomorrow or today and jump out of a plane. You'd be like, bro, it's on. Let's go. Why? What's the difference? You're not a different person. I'm not a different person. You don't have any less or more courage. Mm -hmm. It's because you have the knowledge. The knowledge gives you the courage. So in the same way where we acquire the knowledge, that's the first thing we do. So on Amazon, we get the knowledge. We teach you the knowledge. That gives you the courage to do the final thing, which is to take action. The one thing mm-hmm. that nothing is possible without. So you've got courage. Then all that's left is you take the action. And yeah. sure, you might fuck up. It happens. I do it. Yeah. You do it. But you just repeat the process and eventually that nail will go through that piece of wood. Yeah. I've got, I've got, a, it's really interesting. It's, it's, it's quite similar in a lot of ways. I've got like a, a, a three, um, three pillar system that I teach as well. And it's like information. Mine's like information being number one. Cause like, you know, this shit's everywhere. You can go and buy a book anywhere and, you know, consume that, but it doesn't really get you anywhere. Um, you know, actions number two, once you've got the information, you've got to take some action on it. And generally speaking, it's in like a new direction. Uh, and then the final piece for, for me is like feedback. And then feedback comes in the way of, you know, maybe it's a coach, maybe it's your environment, maybe it's you losing money, maybe something's happening around you that, you know, provides you that feedback of like what's happening, which will generally, you know, inspire some level of new information gathering. And then you go back around the the, the cycle. So there's a bit of overlap there. That's interesting. Um, I like yeah, it. Sounds like the same thing. I, li- I like it, man. It's really cool. Um, I feel like your story is inspiring, like on, on, on so many levels, like listening to, you know, what you've done and, and how, like I'll say it again, like easily and effortlessly, you talk about, you know, being able to, to kind of work your way through um, a lot of the things you've done. What are some of the, 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 the challenges that you've kind of faced or what are some of the, 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 the things that, you know, you've really run into in terms of like problems as well? Yeah. So there've been lots of problems and lots of challenges. One of the cool stories from my book, Billion, how I became king of the thrill pole cult for for you guys who are just tuning in. One of the cool stories in there is that I was in my office. This was in the nineties and a man shows up very clean in a black suit with a hat, like the 1950s looking guys. And he has a duffel bag with him. And upon closer observation, the hand that is holding the duffel bag is missing a finger. Japanese man. He opens up the duffel bag. There's a million dollars cash, crisp bills in there. And an invitation to go to Japan aboard a private jet. Now, the younger me would definitely do that. And he definitely did. And it turns out, not to spoiler alert for any of you guys who want to read the book, um, be aware of this. But um, 
what happened was that it turns out that the guy was a member of the mob, the Japanese Yakuza, and they were interested in taking over my company and they weren't asking. And a hilarious evening ensued. And I encourage you guys, if you want to learn more about that and and what happened there, please, you know, read my book, Billion. But that's just like a, a little teaser of one of the things that happened. More importantly, you know, if you want to talk about more general things, uh, as opposed to like a, a specific instant that happened, there was a lot of people stealing from me. So when you're young and you have a lot of money and you don't have mentorship, which is why I encourage people, you know, look, if you don't join our mastermind, join a mastermind, have mentors, have people that you can run things by. It's so critical. It's so important. Mm-hmm to be able to not work in a vacuum. I worked in a vacuum a lot of the time and I had so much money. Imagine a billion dollars in revenue and you've got this teenage kid, no business background. I never graduated high school. I mean, all the education that I had, Sasha, came from books that I read. I mean, I remember reading Think and Grow Rich and I had the pages of the book, which I had borrowed from the library and not returned because that was the only way I could afford <laughs> to keep it, cut open and highlighted. And I had them pasted to the trunk of a car that I was sleeping in. And every night I would light the flashlight and I would read the pages of this book because I knew that no matter what was going to happen, that I was going to succeed. And I had mm. that idea, that influence. And we, we talk about this a lot that when you are so driven, and I'm not talking about the bullshit drive that we see people on TikTok and Instagram, yeah. the guys are like, yeah. Hey bro, check out my Lambo, man. Yeah. woo! I'm talking about real fucking grit. Like the guys yeah. that roll up their sleeves and I'm fucking willing to go out there and I don't care what it takes. I, I said, there's a guy in UFC called, uh, I think it's Adesanya. They call him the style yeah. bender. And there's style a great bender. style bender. Yeah, he's amazing. And there's a great clip of him before he's going into this fight with, I don't know if it's Tony Ferguson or one of the great fighters of UFC. And you see his face and he's cut and he's sweating and he's just repeating to himself, I'm ready to die. I'm fucking ready to die. Let's go. And you I think can, I've seen this. I think I've seen this. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see the conviction in his face, yeah. the purity. And there's something yeah. about that that's so beautiful, that's so pure, where you're like, this guy has made the decision and he, there is nothing. You're going to have to fucking kill this guy if yeah. you want to stop yeah. him. And he wins. He becomes world champion. Same with Tyson Fury, Gypsy King. If you, if you have mm. ever seen, seen him fight or hear one of his interviews, he mm. tells you he does not give a fuck about any of that stuff, fame, fortune, any of the, all he cares about knocking motherfuckers out. That's all he <laughs> about. He says, uh, you know, yeah. he says I'm a Spartan and, th- and that's what I'm here to do. And it's in those moments mm. where you realize somebody is self-realized, not meaning that they've had some great spiritual revelation or something like that, but rather that they've known themselves, they understand themselves, that they understand their strengths and they understand their weaknesses. And they've come to a place of reconciliation with who they are. No bullshit. They know that purity, it rubs off on a person. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you meet somebody like that, you just can't help but want to help them. So people ask me all the time, dude, you didn't have any money. How did you make the first batch of pills? I say, you know what? I went out there and I talked to people. I influenced people using the elements of influence. But in those days, I was fucking hungry, man, literally, figuratively. Yeah. And I had the grit. And I, you, you could not tell me. Many people told me that I was going to fail. And I probably should have listened to them. But I didn't. Yeah. And people would help me. I would walk into places and people would smell it on me. They would be like, man, I don't know what's going on, but a, a lion just walked in asking for yeah. a steak. Yeah. I'm going to fucking yeah. give it to him. I'm going to help this mm. guy. And that's mm. what happened. Mm. Yeah, it's, it, it's, I, I, know, I know exactly um, that burn the ship's mentality, the focus, the clarity, and the, the like you said, purity. You know what I mean? It creates, um, like, uh, there's like, there's like, um, I think, I think what it is, is, you know, when you have that, there's no safety net, there's no, 
um, plan B and it just becomes like, right, the only option's winning. Um, it just depends on to what capacity I'm going to win, right? Uh, I think at the moment you introduce like some kind of plan B or some kind of if this then contingency, it's, I use this analogy, it's like walking into a room at like a, a like like a, an event or something and there's a whole room of like strangers um, and, and most people, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll navigate through the crowd and they'll maybe hold a drink or clutch a drink to themselves. These days, it's probably more so like a phone. Maybe you'll bury yourself in your phone, your social media, and you'll get around the room. And you'll kind of maybe meet a few people here and there. But the moment you see like, you know, old Jenny from high school, even though you don't even like Jenny, next thing you know, bam, you're there and you're hanging out with her and you're bitching about all the friends back at high school and how they're all doing this and they're all doing that. And then you miss the opportunity of that whole, you know, group of people that probably is new network, new business, new, just new opportunity there. Um, now, if you remove Jenny from the room, the only option is like, do you leave meeting everyone and everyone knowing your name or do you leave with 50% of the people thinking you're amazing? You know what I mean? It's like, to what degree do I win with that burn the ships mentality? I love that you mentioned that, man. That's brilliant. Yeah, you're right. And I'll tell you why. You got to become that motherfucker that just mm. doesn't give a fuck. You become Tyson Fury. You become yeah. Stylebender. And when you don't give a fuck, just go in that room and the right people will be attracted to you. The right situations yeah. will be attracted to you. You will build the network. You will make the money. And Jenny mm. and her seven sisters and her eight friends <laughs> will be chasing you down. Because one of the lessons that we learn and you know, we teach it again you know, in my course is don't lean into life. My good friend Stuart Wilde who wrote the book The Trick to Money is having some a great book from the 1990s or late 80s. Mm. A little bit of woo-woo new age stuff, but really sure, sure, great. Sure. And Stuart was a good friend of mine. He always taught us don't lean in. You know, when you when you go into the world being like, dude, I'm gonna make a million dollars and I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna get the most beautiful girl. The guys that talk like that, think like that, guys and girls that talk like that, think like that, they never get it. It's pushed yeah. further and yeah. further away from them. It's the guys that go out there and go, you know what? I'm going to bring excellence into the world. I'm going to bring value. Like Steve mm. Jobs said, let's put a fucking dent in the universe because yeah. that's what we do. We're alpha men. We're alpha leaders. We're going to go out there and we're going to put a dent in the fucking universe. The money yeah. comes as a side effect. I tell the story, you know, it's really funny to, to this point. So I was sitting in my office. I'm, you know, I don't know, 19, something like that. And at this stage of my life, it was very difficult for me to trust people. I had so much money, right. but everybody was trying to get my money. Everybody was after me. You know, I was a little bit paranoid, but I was a lot right. And so I had this dog and I love this dog. It was a white albino pit bull. And it was like my only friend, my only real friend that I could trust in those days. Right. I didn't trust the girlfriends. I didn't trust the, uh, the hangers on or, you know, the, the groupies. Or Entourage. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard when you have your 15 minutes of fame and you've got, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars hanging around. It's hard to know who, who's your friend. And I just, I just remember going through piles of like, there was like stacks of bills and pills and people would be sending me real drugs from all over the world. And I'd be like, fuck man, I don't do drugs. I, you know, throw them away. And I was going through these piles and I'd see a check for a thousand bucks. I'd be like, I'll fucking deal with that later. Check for 10,000 bucks. And then, you know, the dog knocks down the pile and I pick it up and I look at one check and there's a check for a million dollars. And I just put it back on the stack. And then I took a double take. It was late. I was fucking tired. I was like, dude, I just took a check for a million dollars. That's probably two months old that I haven't cashed just because I didn't, yeah. haven't given a fuck and just put it back on a pile that I'll probably not see for months and months until someone gets to it. That was the level of printing money that we were doing. I was making yeah. pills for 25 cents and selling them for $20 all day long. But it just goes to your point of that attitude where I didn't give a fuck. It didn't yeah. matter. I wasn't chasing the money. Even when the money came, I was like, yeah, of course, that's the money. The money's here. That's like, you know, it's, it's, it's I, just I, there. Like, it's just like, yeah, whatever. I, he I, I, yeah. Mm. I heated some eggs. There's no surprise that there's an omelet in the pan. Mm, yeah 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 <laughs> it's a, it's 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 a great way to think about it this is um super inspiring man like i'm, I'm getting inspired listening to you know your story and, and and the way you can 
articulate, you know, some of the experiences you've been through um, to make it really tangible or make it really um, easy for people to follow along with, like, what would you suggest uh, a starting point? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much bullshit in the world right now um, in the way of whatever's going on with this COVID thing. People are panicking. People are fearful. Even if you're in a secure, stable job, I was saying to my fiance this morning, um, all the media and all the you know noise in the market right now, it still creates this low level kind of like uncertainty and fear, right? So um, what would you say for you know a young guy, early 20s, maybe, 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 maybe teens, maybe similar to like yourself, um, a starting point, right? You're, you you want to be an entrepreneur. You want to be successful. You're look, looking to grow something great. With this current climate, this current market, like what would you focus on personally, and then also like in a, in a, in a business sense as well? So COVID has been very unfortunate, obviously, and you know it's sad that a lot of people lost their lives. They lost family members. So by no means am I making light of that. With that yeah. said, many new fortunes have been made over mm. and over again. Some of the greatest wealth, let me repeat this, some of the greatest wealth ever produced has been produced over these last two years. Yeah. I personally know people who've gotten billions of dollars of money just mm. from the business that surrounds this. So for humanity, is it good? No, fuck no, man. This is terrible. Yeah. Nobody, nobody fucking wants to wear masks and wash our hands a million times like we're fucking sure. rain man walking around. It's, 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 it's not fun. But no. if you want to look at it from that standpoint, yeah, it sucks. If you want to look at it from the standpoint of an entrepreneur, there's never been a time of greater opportunity. Amazon had 400 times greater sales. I'm just making that number up, but it's been sure. an incredible, insane amount of sales. All of our Amazon companies have been showing crazy sales, so much so that Amazon, this huge behemoth, has difficulty just fulfilling all the orders. People are buying everything. There is money out there. Real estate is at its absolute height. The stock market is at its absolute height. None of this is going to last forever. We know this yeah. is a fact. Yeah. Markets go up, markets go down. But if you're a person starting out, what I would tell you is you have to think foundationally. And this is the way that we think. When we're really young, we think, hey, man, I don't care about tomorrow. Let me just focus on today. Let me make my money today. Yeah, yeah. But it's not the right way of thinking. The right way of thinking is you got to build a foundation. A table with four legs is much better than a table with two. So the first leg, the first leg of your foundation should be your job or whatever you're doing. Maybe you're selling your hours for money and working your way out of that. But it keeps your baby in diapers. It keeps food on the table. It allows you to go and live a stable life, have stability. Now, if you've got a trust fund, great. That, that could be that first leg. If you've got a rich husband, a rich wife, whatever that is, that could be your first leg of your stability. But you need to have that stability. And for most of us, we have to go out there and work and hustle. The second leg should be cash flow positive real estate. And you should be buying real estate or getting involved in real estate. You don't need money to do it. And having that money create recurring predictable revenue streams for you. There's a lot of wealth that's been created through real estate. And I encourage all of my students to get involved in that. And we show you tips and tricks of how to do that. The third pillar and very important one in that is e-commerce. Now mm -hmm. let's get to the fourth pillar. The fourth pillar, you should have some money in the markets, invest in, you know, if you know about crypto, you can invest a little bit in that, but stocks, bonds, things that are compounding interest for you. The, back to the third pillar, and one of the most important ones right now is e-commerce, as you know. Mm -hmm. I know you're, mm -hmm. you're involved heavily in e-commerce and in, in yep. setting up Shopify sites and whatnot. But one of the greatest opportunities for anybody anywhere in the world is to open up an Amazon store because you can do it for next to nothing. Again, anybody that's interested, reach out to us on the, on the links below in the show notes, and we'll offer you the one hour course, absolutely free. It's a $200 course, but we'll, we'll just give it to all listeners of Sasha for free. 
uh, of the leap I just mentioned, leap of faith. And what you need to know is that when the real estate market is up, this is not a good time to buy. Right now is not a good time to buy. Yeah. So yeah. what do you do? Focus on some of these other pillars. Let's focus on building that other piece of real estate, your e-commerce, your Amazon business. In the last six months, Sasha, close to 20 billion, with a B, dollars, US dollars, 20 billion US dollars has been moved, migrated from Wall Street to aggregators and SPACs. Why? Mm. They want mm. these aggregators to buy Amazon brands and companies, and mm. they're going to take them. They're going to roll them up into one big company, take that company public, and 30 times their money. With that said, this is going to be happening for the next five, maybe 10 years. So there is never a better time to start one of these Amazon companies and to start building that piece of real estate. And when you do that, when you have those four legs, you wake up in the morning, oh my God, real estate's down 3%. doesn't matter. Yeah. You're cash flowing. Yeah. You bought intelligently. But on top of that, you just forget about that. Your manager will handle that real estate. You move on to Amazon business. Amazon business is doing great. Great. Well, Amazon business is a little slow this month, but your real estate is doing great. Or your yeah. compounded interest on your stocks and bonds are doing great. And you always have your job and, and your stability that feeds your family. So yeah. no matter what happens, you can never really have a bad day if you set your life up like that. And mm. that's really the, the secret to success is that mm. you want to get rich slow, not get rich mm. quick. And you want to get rich in a foundational way. And, and, and like that's um, sage advice. Um, like I, I really want to just implore everyone listening, like, like, like to really, really like hear those words and um, man, reach out, reach out and, you know, get some, get some help with this, particularly uh, if it's something of interest um, for yourself. Um, on the on on the on the personal side of things outside of amazon or outside of real estate outside of you know um selling the magic pills um on a personal level like yourself what kind of like routines practices things do you do to keep yourself like so aligned empowered um on track because i i feel that from the conversation you're super focused super clear uh, and, and it's super evident in, in what you do and also the results I'd imagine you'll get for your clients and students. So what do you do on a personal level to, to keep that fire burning? Most important thing is always family first. I never prioritize anything, my kid, my wife, my family. I never prioritize anything over them. So every morning I hang out with my seven-year-old, we get hugs and cuddles and kisses and we do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to play chess, great. If he wants to wrestle a little bit of kickboxing, he wants to go race cars, whatever he wants to do. That's what we're doing in the morning. And sure. I could be doing things that are revenue generating, but for me, that's the single most important thing that gets me in the zone right. is my family. The second oh. thing that I do is I, I make sure I get up early in the morning before the whole mm. noise and negativity of the world, before my kid's up, before my wife's up. And I have a nice little meditation. There's a bunch of different ways. And if anybody wants to reach out to me, there's an amazing virtual reality meditation app that I, I'd love to share with you guys. I could send you a code for that. And I, I'm really into the high-tech meditation systems now. So I, I like to right. do that and get my brain into a, a deep trance brain state where I can be in the optimal flow peak state. Then I like to do some breathing exercises. Wim Hof, one of the best. Uh, there's another guy called Patrick McEwen, an Irish guy who's got this thing called the oxygen method, which I love. I will do that. I will then have some aggressive physical exercise. So usually it's two hours of jujitsu, an hour of biking, running, two or hours. swimming. Jeez. Yeah. Nice. Two yeah. hours. Pretty aggressive. Do you train yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's more so like resistance or functional. Um, yeah. But I'm, I may add the two hours of jujitsu to the yeah. Jujitsu can be pretty aggressive. So, but it's it's fun. Combat sports are excellent if it's what your your thing is. If if it's what you're into, and sure. you know, and from there, 
I've got a, a pretty good regime of supplements. If anybody wants to know what my supplementation regime is, I do a, a series of supplements for boosting immunity, boosting awesome. uh, energy levels. I take Accelerol as a nootropic. We've got a bunch of new uh, nootropic supplements and I take matcha tea. I love matcha tea. We make one called matcha DNA, which is one of the best in the world. You can get it anywhere in the world and it's really spectacular. So I have some tea. I'm, I'm currently 90 days cycling off coffee, which is fucking hard. If you ever want to do that, it's <laughs> not, not recommended, man. How um, was the first like week or so? Was it tough? It's hard, man. You know, I got to say like, I I'm a pretty disciplined human being and you know, I mm. can do, you know, if I've got to eat something, I can eat it. If I got to not eat something, yep. I can not eat it. You tell me go keto. I'm there. You know, sure. you tell me, right. Paleo, let's do that but caffeine is, is difficult. So I, I, the first, okay. So the first month I did no caffeine whatsoever, just herbal teas, mint tea and shit. And I just couldn't fucking do it. So really? now I'm back on matcha tea. I have this Brazilian tea called uh, guayasa, which is really good. This other okay. Argentinian tea called yerba mate, which oh, I yeah, really yeah. enjoy. Yeah. Uh, the Chinese tea called uh, puer tea, which is really nice. And, um, and that's got me feeling pretty good right now. So yeah. I don't know if I'm going to go back to coffee. You and me can talk in a little bit and I'll let you know what 90 days <laughs> no coffee is like. I, I really do like coffee though, is the problem. You know, mm. I like the smell and the grind and my, you know, Italian coffee machine and the whole sensory experience, experience mm. is really, it's, it's really spectacular, but let's see. How's I, the, I, um, how's the stability without the caffeine? Like, do you feel generally speaking a little bit more consistent or not yeah. too much of a difference? You're more hydrated. You're uh, yeah. more focused. I mean, look, I think coffee, what I'm learning is, is that it's a tool that's very effective when used tactically, but yeah. very addicting and mm. reverse effects when used habitually. So yeah. if so the true. one who uses coffee you probably would find the most benefit cycling it and using it tactically rather than habitually. Because if you start using mm. it and then you stop for a few days and you start having really shitty effects, then you know you're using it habitually. Mm, if yeah, you use it true. when you're right before a big project, a big meeting, like you're going to sell your company, you're going to get 20 million bucks, you got to meet with the VCs and you're on a red-eye flight and you're going to get off the flight and you need to be at your best, that's a tactical time no. if you wake up no. at 8 a.m and you gotta fucking have it otherwise you're gonna be lousy <laughs> the whole day then you're using it habitually yeah that's good that's nice clarification um and 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 i i guess like i mean is there some particular points like i i want to be respectful of your time as well man i know we booked out a, a session here for around about 60 minutes um for for you like moving forward into what you're doing right now, it's like fascinating to hear all the different things you're working on projects, um, green teas, like different, um, all different things. I, I, I don't think we dove into that in, in, in full depth. Um, I feel there's a lot more that, that could be, um, you know, uncovered, but um, what's kind of causing you fear at the moment or, you know, causing you a little bit of like um, hesitation or, or trepidation of what's to come in the future. Like, what, what's the leap of faith that you're on right now? COVID doesn't scare me, if that's what you're asking. I'm, I'm pretty much over it. I yeah. think in the beginning, we were all like, fuck, what is this? Are we going to die? Let's wash all our fruit and wipe down all our fucking groceries. And, you know, like, don't talk to anybody. Don't touch anything. And I think we're, we're now learning that it's not that and we're, we're over it. And I'm not a doctor. So I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to speak to, you know, vaccines or not vaccines. Sure, you know, sure, I, sure. I, I am vaccinated and, you know, I believe in science. So I'm a, a very science oriented guy. I think one of the things that we learned during this time, which is probably the thing that's most disconcerting is human nature and how really nasty people can get if given mm. the opportunity, which leads me to the bigger lesson for us all is that we can't get caught up in other people's negativity and all their fear and all this stuff. And instead we have to be in a place where we can bring up our friends and family. And the way we do that is by being successful ourselves. The greatest yeah. way for you to empower the people around you is by you being empowered yourself. Mm. 
So yeah, go out yeah. there, fucking kick ass, make as much money as you can and come back and then inspire and empower people with the things that you do. A great example of this is Bill Gates. If you ever watched that documentary mm. on him called uh, Bill's Brain, did you ever see uh, that? I think I, I think I watched um, part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally yeah. worth it. Because here's a guy who, you know, again, he wasn't out there to make billions of dollars. He could give a fuck. He wants to be mm. on an island somewhere with like 20 bags of books. That's what that guy wants mm. to do. He's not interested in any of that shit. But, yeah. but he's one of the wealthiest people on earth. Why? A- because he's obsessively excellent. Everything he does is excellent. And he thinks about problems in a way that you or I might not. When we're mm. thinking, dude, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give 10 chickens to the, to the homeless people on the street to help them. People are like, oh, that's very nice. You're going to help 10 homeless people. Another guy's going to come along and go, you know what? I'm going to give 100 chickens to the homeless shelters. And then we're going to feed you know, a, a hundred homeless people. Okay, well, that guy's doing a little better. This guy is figuring out how we create synthetic chickens in a lab to, to solve the problem once and forever. And he calls it wholesale solving of problems. Like he's solving that problem with the sewage and he's solving the sewage, malaria yeah. issues mm. and he's tackling these big problems. So he thinks about things in what he calls a wholesale level. And that's mm. really fucking impactful. So somebody who would know less would look at him and go, oh, well, this guy doesn't care about people. He's not really, you know, when has he donated to a church or charity or, or this and that? Sure. But no, that's just an inefficient use of his time. And there's nothing that offends that man more than inefficiency. I feel yeah. the same way about inefficiency. He wants to be efficient. He knows he's got a limited time of, on earth. We all have a limited number of hours and a limited amount of resources, no matter how much wealth he has. And so he needs to figure out the way to make the biggest impact possible with what he has, all the resources, including his brain power. And that's why he works the way that he does. And I invite every single person listening to this podcast, reach out, join us and learn how you too can deal with problems on a wholesale level empower yourself, especially during these fucked up times, during these times of COVID. So when all this is over and we're looking at it from the other end, you've got your foundations, you've got your pillars and you are empowered and other people will be attracted to you so that they can be empowered too. Yeah. It's brilliant, man. Thanks so much, Sahin. This is um, phenomenal. Uh, it, it, anywhere particularly you want people to hang out with you on platforms or anything like that, yeah, absolutely. So everybody listening here, please join us. We've got a podcast. You can get it on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are heard called Hack and Grow Rich. If you're interested in my yes. book, Billion, it should be out by the time you're listening to this. We think it'll be out late August. There's an audio book yes. too, if you prefer. You can get that. Um, the first chapter, again, is free. The podcast is called Billion, How I Became King of the Throw Pill Cult. The book will be out on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, all the places you get books. Uh, join our podcast, Hack and Grow Rich. You can join us on Instagram or YouTube. Make sure to like and subscribe. And if you're interested in that one-hour course that Sasha and I have been talking about, teaches you everything you need to know to create predictable recurring revenue on Amazon, go to my website, shaheenshan.com. That's www.shaheenshan.com. Reach out to us. Tell us you heard us on Leap of Faith. You want the one-hour course for free, and we'll provide that to you. Or go to fbasellercourse.com. Either of those will work. If you want to reach out to me and talk to me, just set an appointment. I'm happy to have a free 15-minute call with anybody who wants to up their game and start becoming an Amazon seller and creating that fourth pillar of predictable recurring revenue. Love it, man. Love it. Thanks so much for, for all you do, man. This has um, been better than expected. And, uh, and I know the audience and the listeners will, um, will get a lot from this. So thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much for your energy. Thanks for inspiring the way that you do. And um, thanks, for, thanks for doing what you do. Uh, I look forward to having another podcast in the years to come and seeing where you're at and um, exchanging stories in the future as well. Honored to be on, Sasha. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, brother. Thank you.